Money Show. Personal Finance with Warren Ingram. Warren Ingram, I don't know if you face this problem in your everyday life where you feel that we need to talk nicely about death. Um, and, and people, you know, I mean, unfortunately, it happens. People die and it's horrible and it's tragic. And I, I wonder whether or not as a society, and I hear it in news all the time, it drives me mad when somebody says, oh, they've passed away. And it's almost like it makes the death of somebody less horrific um, to the family, to those left behind. And it's like, I don't think it does. Um, you know, and, and I wonder um, whether, you know, against a bugbear and it's a distraction for what we need to talk about tonight. But I, I, just, I wish we could use clear and simple language and accept that death is a horrible thing um, and it happens um, and it will happen to us all one day. Um, is it something in financial services where people have to sort of sugarcoat the nastiness of reality? <laughs> I'm so scared to talk about this because you've already given me a very hard time this week for you. I have. For the phrase pass away. God, I so, detest it. Um, so Can I me... tell you how much I detest it? I detest it so much um, because I just, you, you hear, and I think we, 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 we try and so, soften the blow of, of everything um, in our 21st century life. And I, I understand why. But sometimes somebody got crushed by a truck. They did not pass away. They got crushed by a truck. And it was awful. And it was brutal. And whoever was responsible for crushing that person with a truck should be prosecuted for it. Just, yeah, it's real. <laughs> <clears throat> Yes, I'm over. <laughs> I'm not laughing at the topic, but I am laughing no. at your reaction. So, so um, I mean, it's I like learners a, um, and educators. Don't get me started on that one either. Jeez, I've got some. I, I, I have issues. Let, Anybody know a therapist? Yeah. And uh, can we can we unpack it, Bruce? So oh, yes, um, let's unpack it. Please uh, do that. Let's do that. Like a suitcase full of <laughs> dirty laundry. <laughs> So, so my, my, my two cents on this is that I think I'm, I'm, I'm generally averse to jargon at the best of times. And I really don't like, you know, in a lot of the modern phraseology where people need to unpack things and discuss a flight path to a dripping roast and all, the, all that nonsense. But, but I do think uh, the, the topic of death, and I guess for me, in, in, in what I do every day of my life, death is an absolute reality when you, yeah. you know, primarily deal with retired people. Uh, and, and it's crashing for everybody it's crashing for the family it's crashing for for the, the the person who might not be dying suddenly but you know unfortunately suffering from a really bad illness and and so it's you know we sit at the coal face of that uh, you know often uh, t- talking to someone who's got terminal a terminal illness and you're and you're planning for for their death uh, and and some people um, in that position are very blunt and and would would appreciate the, the directness that you're talking about and and others and especially the people around them uh, cope differently, Bruce. And, and so yeah. I mean, I'll take your point and I'll take your your medicine and I'll talk about dying. But I think so, sometimes just understanding the people around that are uh, around this in the situation view this differently. Having been uh, in one of those rooms, having been in one of those rooms where you're discussing with your nearest and dearest the prospect of their imminent demise, um, it is a horrible discussion. But I, I, I you know, my personal preference is. It is what it is. There are, you know, there's only one way this movie ends. <laughs> there's going to be no Hollywood yeah. ending. So there's not going to be a choir. Well, maybe there'll be a choir of angels. Who knows? Um, but there's not going to be some sort of um, knight on a white horse coming in and saving the day. This person is going to die at some point. It could be next week. It could be next month. It could be in a year from now. The, the big and most important issue, the thing which we really need to get into, is how you 
have that discussion about if that person has got some money left at the end of their life, if they've been fortunate enough to earn enough to and not have spent it all and not be dependent on their families and there's cash left at the end of that or their assets left at the end of that life, how do you ensure that those assets are left to the beneficiaries of the estate in a way that keeps everybody in that estate talking to each other once you're gone? So I really wanted to talk about this because I did a I actually did a, a, a talk to a company that you know so in other words people who are employed people who have a job, and and I sort of innocently asked uh, you know how, how many people uh, have have a will, and, and it worked out to be about half the audience uh, and a reasonable size audience, and and then followed up the question w- with how many people who don't have a will have children. And it turned out to be about a quarter of the audience, which for me is is a, a simply horrifying position. You know, when when you have you know, mom and dad and and you know some young kids, um, and 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 if that's a sample of of South Africa, that that a quarter of parents don't have a will at all. Uh, I mean, the the key point here is to, to understand what happens next, and and what happens next is. These, I'm sure, very kind, very caring, uh, very diligent people who work for government in, in a division called the master's office are going to get involved in deciding, firstly, what assets you have, and, and secondly, how they should be treated, and, 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 and thirdly, how, how your children should be looked after in the future. Uh, and, and for me, you, you know, uh, overworked civil servants are simply not the people that should be deciding, you know, you know how your assets and how your kids are, are looked after. And, and so... I mean, I, I can't, I, I can't say it strong enough. I think it's absolutely irresponsible for parents not to have a will in 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 in, in our country. You know, the the, the big banks will. No, in will any country, a will. Any, anywhere in the world, it is irresponsible for you not to have a will. And in that context, I would talk about death, and I would talk about dying, and I'd make them feel guilty as hell. And then within twenty four hours, <laughs> they were going to get a will, and it and it really is not a complex it's a slightly uncomfortable and unpleasant process but you can get it done fairly quickly it's like you know pulling out a wiggle tooth just it, do it quickly and, and it's over and done with <laughs> so uh, on, on that note you can get one and, and if money is a problem if money's tight I, I i'll tell you now that the banks the bulk of the banks in south africa will do one for you for free y- yes they will want to charge uh, a fee when you have died bruce uh, for for looking after your estate and and winding it up, but the point is that your wishes will then be enacted uh, according to what you want to happen. In other words, you would be saying, "I want my money to to go to X person, and and I would like another person to look after my my children." Uh, and and so the, the movement of your money from you to your to your next generation uh, is much more controlled, and and it certainly works then on, on the way that you would like it to work. And and I think uh, in that instance. Sorry, sorry. What's important here is if you've got minor children, the last person you want, and I forget what it's called, but effectively, if you die without a will and you've got minor children, the state takes control of your money and starts investing it on the, your beneficiary's behalf. And it gets put into low interest bearing accounts because, hey, that's secure. Um, and they are, if they you know five or six years old, by the time they're 18, that money in real terms is going to be worth considerably less than it was worth when you handed it over to them. You're doing them a huge disservice and your memory a great disservice as well. And and I think it's called the Guardians Fund, Bruce, uh, if it. I remember correctly. And, 
And and so you're you're right. I mean, it is a very conservative, very cautious uh, uh, pool of money, and, and and none of us have a clue. I'm, I have no opinion on whether it's uh, well run or not, uh, expensively run or, or cost effectively run. I don't have a clue. But but what I do know is, uh, you, you know, the, the, it's a pooled it's a pooled place of money. So so you you don't have certainty that your your, your children will be looked after. But but more importantly for me as well is is just making sure that uh, you, you've identified who should look after your children as well. So w- one of the things that often happens is parents, you know, new parents, let's say the parents are 25 and 30 years old, respectively, they, they say, well, you know, our parents are 55 and 60 years old. They'll be fine to look after our kids if we pass away. You know, th- thinking about the, the next maybe one, two, three or four years, n- not, not really anticipating what happens when, when, they, when, you know, when their children are teenagers, um, and and the, the, the grandparents are then, you know, um, you know, way older than that, and and the, the, the generation gap becomes a real issue. So so I think the the, the key thing for me in a world um, where you have young children is write down the names of the of the people that are actually going to be the legal guardians of your of your children. Most importantly, in that situation, please talk to everybody involved. In other words, uh, talk to the grandparents to say, you know, you're not going to be the legal guardians. You know, we'd love you to be involved in our children's lives if we're not around, but we're not giving you the burden of, of being parents again for, for the second time around. And, and then clearly discuss it with the guardians because they need to know what surprise is coming. And, and then make sure that you've got planning in, in terms of, you know, the, the finances around this, you know, if, if need be, go and get some life cover to, to make sure that the, the, the new guardians have sufficient money. Because I, I know for my wife and I, we, we, we kind of accepted the guardianship from a few friends. We were very honored. And before we knew it, we would, we would have been the guardians of six children overnight if something happened to three sets of parents, which, which would mean I'd need to buy a hotel and, and a bus and, <laughs> uh, and, and find a way to school a whole lot, a lot, lot more kids. And, and so yeah. in that situation, just think through the unintended consequences there that, 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 you know, it's not just go for the most convenient route. It's, it's ta- take responsibility now uh, and, and then think about the money. And if it's a lot of money, if, if you are one of the, 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 the lucky few that, that have a lot of money in your estate already, uh, you know, you, you need to get some serious advice. Don't just go for a free will then, uh, you know, go and get, go and get proper advice as to, you know, sh- should you set up a trust that gets formed uh, on your death uh, and, and decide who's going to be the trustees and will they look after your, your kids' interests uh, and, until such time as your children are old enough to, to look after themselves. And, and that's not going to be 18, as, as any parent of teenagers will tell you. That's probably going to be age 25 or somewhere around there or older. Uh, and and just, just apply some thought to this. But, but the one thing I'd say is anyone listening to this, if you don't have a will and, and you've got kids, you're being reckless, you're being irresponsible, and you're leaving behind incredible trauma over and above the emotional trauma. And that trauma will last for for years, if not decades. You don't, I mean, I I just see so much resentment of badly structured estates. I see so much resentment of parents who couldn't face up to their own mortality or kind of thought, well, I'll do it next week. I'm going to go and go for a walk on the beach right now, or I'm going to go and do this. Um, And by, by delaying the the biggest duty you have other than putting food on the table and a, and a roof over their heads right now by delaying this writing of a will, even if you don't think you've got particularly much, at least express a preference for the way in which your kids should be looked after, um, a way in which they might be sustained into the future, because they will never forgive you if you mess it up. That'll be your legacy. That's <laughs> how they, you'll be remembered. 
and and I think you know the, so for for parents of adult children, it's a, it's still a key conversation to have with your kids. You know, one of the things that that I come across a lot is you know uh, parents saying, "Gee, we've got a you know the the, the family holiday house, and we're never going to sell that because our kids, you know, um, would love to take their children there one day." And then when you talk to the adult children, they go, "You know, we go there because mom and dad love the place, but we we couldn't stand it. We were tired of it, and we never want to go back again." So so have a conversation honestly with with adult children as well, to say, we, we have assets, they are going to transition to you. What do you want to do? What's important and what's not? And then really importantly, start the financial education of your of your children somewhere around age 12 or 13, so that they, they learn how to deal with money and they, they learn how to understand money so that they don't, they don't suddenly inherit you know, millions at the age of 25 or 30 and have no sets of emotional and, and, and intellectual tools as to how to deal with money. That, you know, that's not a gift either. That, that's how to ruin their lives. Warren Ingram, personal financial advisor, executive director at Galileo Capital. Really critical discussions. I cannot emphasize it enough. And that statistic of a quarter of the people in the room uh, with kids not having a will is devastating. It really is devastating. A question from Joshua this evening. I'm turning 58 this year and have been able to save what I need for retirement. Ooh, Joshua's a wizard. Uh, my plan was to retire in September this year. But now there's volatility in markets and my capital is reduced in value. That's what happens, Joshua. What is the best way to approach this transition? Should I continue working for another year or two? No, Joshua, you should not continue working for another year or two. You should continue working for another 10 years. But I'll let Warren deal with that coming up in a moment. The Money Show. Personal Finance with Warren Ingram. I love the dream of retiring at the age of 58 or 60 or 62 and feeling so completely financially secure that you think it's a jolly good idea. That's Joshua's view. 58 years old, everything was going swimmingly. That's the plan. September this year. Now, oops, markets are volatile. His capital is reduced. And then he goes, hmm, maybe I should work for another year or two. Um, I may have been a little bit blunt and a little bit brutal to suggest that um, Joshua goes working for another decade or so. But certainly working longer is better than working less, Warren, regardless of how financially secure you feel. I, I agree. I mean, I think the, 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 there's two aspects to the to the conversation. One is, you know, 58 is is really early uh, in life just to stop work, and and so, you know, I mean, I'd be saying to to Joshua, you know, if if financially you're fine, uh, you, you might want to consider, you know, doing something that 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 keeps you um, mentally stimulated. You know, give, gives you obligations at least a few times a week, uh, because if you have if you have very little purpose. Uh, you, you know, you, you end up with many bigger sort of social problems, which which could have a huge impact on your on your life and your financial position. So, so people who stop work young, uh, you know, and and have no 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 other purpose after that, uh, they they don't have a happy uh, happy story in re- in retirement. It's often very depressing for them and very isolating. So, so that would be my first comment to to someone in that position. Uh, but 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 secondly, financially, you, you, you know, if, if I look at the actuaries now, I would say that a male uh, w- would pass away somewhere somewhere around the age of um, age ninety five, and and a woman at at around about age one hundred and two. 
So, so you know, you, you stop work at age 58, you know, that's nearly another 40 years of, of life uh, to, to fund from, from your capital. And, and so, you know, unless you absolutely hate your, your, your job and, and you hate everything about work and it's going to shorten your lifespan through stress, et cetera, then working longer does make sense to me. And, and knowing that you've hit the point of financial freedom already and you're now working partly for fun and partly for additional financial security often becomes a, a great sort of w way to enjoy work much more because you, you know that if the boss is really giving you a hard time, you, you've got enough money to, to tell him what to do with the job and leave. Uh, and, and suddenly, uh, you, you know, everything g gets a bit better. But, but, but to Josh's question around, you know, retiring in September, if, if, your, if your financial position is that tight, that, that a market drop of 10%, you know, yeah. or, uh, um, is, is going to, to, to set back your retirement plans. The, the reality is, Joshua, you didn't have enough money to retire and, and, and you need to carry on working. There, there is something the mathematicians will talk about sequence risk, which is uh, th that you don't really want a big market drop in the first you know, few years of retirement because it does have a disproportionate effect on, on, your, on your overall financial position. But, but, but the truth is that you should have enough money to deal with a big market drop when you actually do stop work and it shouldn't affect your overall retirement planning. It's, it's hugely unsettling emotionally, I know that, and it's very stressful. But, but you know, um, financially, you, you, all your retirement plans should be able to cope with probably one very big crash, you know, every five years and one small crash every single year while you're invested and it shouldn't set you back. Yeah, you shouldn't, you don't, you don't want to be vulnerable um, to a 2020 calamity or a war in Ukraine. All of this stuff is so far beyond your control that the only thing you can control is the level of savings that you have when you go into retirement, when you either no longer want to or no longer can work. Um, and then you don't want to have to worry. And very few people, I think, Warren, can retire truly without worrying about the the extent of the money that they have at their disposal it the, the first two years of retirement for 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 pretty much 99.99 percent of all people all around the world are, are enormously stressful because it's the first time in their lives where where they've got um outgoings in other words money flowing out and and no money flowing in from from work all they've got is is investment assets that are that are generating an income uh, and and they just see the money flowing out and and, and they they often really struggle with, with with the concept emotionally not you know not necessarily intellectually and 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 you find you know really strange behavior where, where they kind of stop spending everything you know and, and or, or or go really relaxed and, and go crazy you know because they've got freedom and then realize you know, somewhere along the line that actually they've been overspending. So, so I think it's a, it, it's, a, it's a psychological journey you have to go on as well. And, and preparation starts kind of a couple of years before, before retirement to say, you know, let, let's just see what happens actually if there is no income and, and how do we deal with that. Which is and why it's called so, so, financial planning, correct? Yeah, it, it should be called financial and emotional planning. In, and, and I would say part of it for Joshua might be that, uh, you know, that he sets aside a few years of expenses just in cash uh, to, to kind of fund the first one or two years, uh, you know, out of retirement if he's worried about market volatility. Warren Ingram, personal financial advisor, mental health consultant and executive director at Galileo Capital. Thank you, Warren Ingram.